Absolutely. This is mm-hmm. uh, the operational side of reporting. Are you reporting, suggesting people so... skip past the next 20 minutes? You know. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it is essential. Hello and welcome to episode 161 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar. But on this weekly podcast, I chat with the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums that I've met on my journey from techie to CMO, sharing their marketing street knowledge in a show that Jason Falls described as a variety show for marketers. It's Saturday the 8th of April. It's a long Easter weekend holiday here. If Easter is your tradition, I hope you're having a great weekend and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week in the marketing studio, Jeff Clark shares the next steps for setting up your marketing metrics. I go backstage with Courtney Lindau, Head of Practice for Web Analytics and Business Intelligence at Nimble Gravity. And I wind down the week with Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. If you like the show, come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'll include links to me, my guests, and all the things we talk about in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com. And we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. Right, let's get started. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, the Marketing Studio with Jeff Clark, our weekly dose of marketing street knowledge from our resident rockstar CMO, strategy advisor, and former Forrester Research Director. Welcome, Ian. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for welcoming to your studio. Come on in. <laughs> we'll be on uh, the air. Actually, no, we're on the air right now. Darn it. (laughs) Can't you see the little red lights on and everything? (laughs) How are you, mate? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. And how's the weather in in sunny It's spring-like. It's like it's going to be up, uh, you know, over 20 centigrade in your vernacular. And uh, the sun is out and uh, definitely like feeling like spring. Nice. We are. As As I speak currently... There's blue sky. Uh, give it five minutes. <laughs> really? Raining a minute. <laughs> we're having one of those days where it rains and then it's sunny. And uh, but we're preparing for a long Easter weekend here. So ah uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So we have a four day four day weekend, which you never have in the US, do you? There's no never never Friday, no. yeah. <laughs> Three four. three's the max. <laughs> a four day holiday for you guys well, actually, is like a you know thank, Thanksgiving can be a four-day holiday for that's some true. people not not that's for true. everybody but not if you're in the in the retail business yeah or a turkey or a turkey <laughs> <laughs> all right um i did say we've got a lot to before i hit record i did say we've got a rather lot to cover today so, and uh, when i go. started rambling on about turkeys yeah, yeah let's go so uh this week uh so last couple of weeks we've been talking about qbrs and we went down a little bit more depth into your five principles of how to develop those OKRs. OKRs, yes. OKRs, yes. So we talked about, and basically, I mean, we're we're using the vernacular of uh, OKRs, objectives and key results, but really this could be just your goals and metrics, couldn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. All the principles apply. Yeah, so you decide five principles. That was address business questions, prioritise measures of impact, address readiness to make those impacts. Every measure needs a target and... I pause there for a moment as I think of the song "Every Rose Needs a Thorn." Is <laughs> <laughs> Rockstar CMO after all? And then um, expect to revisit all of these principles, which is pretty much our fifth of anything, isn't it? Oh, by the way, they were obviously five 
effing principles for those paying attention at home. Um, <laughs> so we've got those. So we've got to assume that uh, we've developed our, our OKRs. And then I think this week, what we promised the listener was that we would come up with the, what the next steps would be, which is to create your executive dashboard. Correct. And I, and I love the way you've described this. You've described this as selling your story of success in six steps. So yes. What's, so what say you, Jeff? Well, admittedly, this is uh, the operational side of reporting. So, mm-hmm. you know, but it is in... Are you in, suggesting people skip past the next 20 minutes? You know? <laughs> no, <laughs> but it is essential, uh, I, I think, for the CMO to know how, you know, to know how the reports are being built, mm-hmm. to, you know, work with their marketing ops or their, you know, their mm-hmm. analytics team, you know, to get it right. And and yeah. because the one thing is you want to feel confident when you're going in front of the executive mm-hmm. team, you want to be confident in what you're saying, your, the story you're telling, what the underlying data is, because you will be scrutinized. <laughs> so it's very important uh, to take this seriously. And I, and I, and I know we've, we've, we've worked for some CMOs who have taken this seriously. Yes. And I like that. You will be scrutinized. <laughs> <laughs> If there isn't uh, something so true right now in the world of uh, marketing and senior marketing. Absolutely. You will be scrutinized. So we're selling your story in, of success in six steps, which is lovely iteration, even if it isn't five. Yes. Things, which is, I'm disappointed by, obviously, I, but... Uh, when, when, when I went to six, I had to go for the S's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there are five S's, selling your story of success, success in six, six steps. steps. Nicely done. Five. All right, so what's your first step? <laughs> In selling yours. And oh, by the way, I really like the way that you're framing this. The idea that your executive dashboard is selling your story of success. Yep. I mean, I, I want to underline that because I think that's a great idea. Yes. And that we are creating, we are telling a story. So what's the first step and, in and, telling the story? And if, you're, and if you're not successful yet, you're selling your story about how you're going to get there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So first step is to create a storyboard. And um mm-hmm. You know, because I think of, I mean, I think CMO should think of this, you know, dashboard as a as a canvas. And so, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're using, you know, a business intelligence tool, analytics, you're just putting it on PowerPoint. You need to think about what the the summary page is and what the story it's telling. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you will. I mean, there there's likely going to be. Uh, it need to drill down on some things, but you know you don't want to throw all the data up at people at once. No. Um, exactly. So, so you know, take a slide, you know, PowerPoint slide, mm-hmm. or take a whiteboard and kind of block out the four, six, five, six big goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, determine you know what the priority is as as somebody's going to be scanning the dashboard. <laughs> you know, this is kind of like yeah. this is where you bring your you know, someone from your creative team, like a graphic artist in to just say, yeah. and I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't want you to design this for me. I just want you to tell me if I put this information up, how are people going to be looking at it? And, yeah. and so that you make sure that the priority stuff is front and center or top and yeah. left or whatever. Uh, and then as you've laid out these four to six goals, then, you know, plug in the business questions and going back to one of our principles yeah, is yeah. that you need to yeah. understand what are, what are the execs going to be asking? Mm-hmm. You know, what's on their mind? And so then plug those things in so that, mm-hmm. you know, as you're, as you're building the dashboard, you're addressing those, those particular business questions. It's great. And, that, and that's a great way to have a conversation that you asked and we answered kind of yep. thing. You asked for this, so therefore we're delivering against this. So it's always relevant, isn't it? To, to what it is that they care about, which was the big takeaway from last week, wasn't yep. it? Is the, is the, is what they care about. So that's the first thing. So we've created this storyboard. We're, te- we're thinking about the story we want to tell and how we're going to tell it. What's the second one? Well, is to create a, uh, a requirements dash a, a document or like a dashboard requirements doc so that you can start mm-hmm. tracking, you know, it's like you, you figured out basically what the, the storyboard is going to look like. Now you need to say, what's the detail behind this? And, and, mm-hmm. and so every report that you create, uh, and, and this is more, maybe more important for the ops team to say, okay, everything you create, you want to have a document that says, here's, here's what's behind it. And note, you know, who's the audience that we're, that we're in front of, uh, you know, there might be multiple opportunities to report. So is there one for an executive team meeting? Is there one for QBR? Is there one that we use pipeline reviews? So you may have various versions of this particular executive level dashboard. 
determine what the cadence of reporting is. And again, at the at the highest level for what you're trying to document, you want to capture these things so that, um, uh, you know, again, you're just reminding yourself, what's the purpose of this particular mm-hmm. dashboard and who am I who am I presenting it to? Yeah, and that's probably important for us and for them, because I think sometimes if you've got access to data, you kind of want to show it. You know, it's like, oh, this is cool. I've got this new tool or I've got access to this particular and it's going up and to the right. Why don't I bung that in as well? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, sometimes, you know, there are certainly executive teams that that they're asking for all the details. Show me. And and, and so, uh, you know, you want to push back on that as much yeah. as possible and it may be that you need to have some details but let's first be able to show them what the the, the high level yeah. story is yeah and i like and if we go back to the first one when you're saying about creating the storyboard I, I like the idea that you're saying like there's that first panel which just shows the high level this is what you asked for here's the high level detail but presumably then that part of that design you're almost designing a product which is then if they click down here then we get into this and we get yep. into this and, and that's the that's the idea here okay so we, we've created our storyboard we've created our requirements for what we want to have in that document right and the audience and how often we're going to report and who's who and how often we're going to that's what i just said how often we're going to report (laughs) (laughs) what's the third one i'm glad so the third one is to is to document the metrics and so Mm -hmm. um and this is within that requirements document you want to lay out okay so what's the business question we're addressing what's the list of metrics there may be multiples you know if if the question's about demand you may have multiple things that you want to be able to display about that and then you know create a written definition of what it is what are the units that we're going to be expressing this in you know is it currency is it percentages is it you know leads is it opportunities by numbers uh, what's the target, you know, noting, you know, we're, we're, we're going to report on a number that's comparison to something, mm-hmm. uh, which could be a benchmark again. It could be, you know, it could be, you know, X percent over last year. Uh, and then what's the, you want to be clear on what's the scope of the measure or the metric? Is it a regional? Is it country? Is it global? Is it, and you know, again, just, just for making sure you yeah. got your bases covered and and what is the cadence at which this gets updated particularly when right. you get into i guess for almost every metric but you know um you know certainly if you're pulling things from google analytics you know that's kind of uh you know you can get it on real time but if it's from uh you know uh, your crm and you're trying to get opportunity and pipeline information and that might be you might want to do it on a monthly basis and so you're just trying to note yeah. what is the cadence of updating this so that again you're trying to the the main reason for laying all this information out is that if you have to go back and change anything um you know then it's good to know well, well you know what was our concept when we first created this and so if i need to go back and change something like i need to go not just at a regional level but I need to get down to a country level uh, at, at least i have this documented and i can keep a little audit trail as as this thing evolves yeah yeah and i think um yeah and so 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 when we've we've created our storyboard we know the requirements we want to put in there and then this is where where i got confused i got a bit caught up with this is document the metrics because we've already we should have already done that using your previous model right so we already knew what it what it was we were going to measure what our okrs are but this is going down to that level of detail isn't it yep. that, that that's actually going to go into the dashboard right yeah okay and then your fourth is <laughs> pregnant you. pause um <laughs> is to determine the data source and and uh-huh. um and i mean this this relates to documenting the metrics but i i just yeah. i think it's pretty particularly important to pull out because you want to know where the information is available and most accurate and so yeah there's a number of reasons for doing this. One again is for, you know, uh, if, if things are evolving and you need to have this audit trail, so you know what your, what your original concept was, but there may be ac- uh, issues with accessing the data or accessing, ensuring the accuracy. So, you know, did we pull data from the CRM system, but we had to do a certain amount of massaging yeah. to, you know, uh, pull out some old or false data. Uh, are there other metrics that this is dependent upon? Uh, mm-hmm. or supporting. So it's like if, if I reported that, uh, you know, marketing contributed, you know, 10 million to the pipeline, but 
other pipeline reports only show 15 million in total pipeline and people will say, Oh, did marketing really source 66% two thirds of the pipeline. So knowing, and, and this, what's like probably most important here is that you're saying people are looking at data from other sources and you want to make sure you're, you've got alignment with those other sources. So if in the, in the pipeline review of a sales team and you know, you're showing marketing information at the executive team. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there are people going to be in both of those meetings. And if things don't jive, uh, you've yeah. got to make sure um, <laughs> how to address it, well, uh, whether they're whether they're not supposed to jive or not. You make got to make sure what your um, what yeah. your story is there. Well, plus we're going to make decisions based on those returns, right? And if you're if you're saying, oh, marketing is is actually, um, and we we're always a bit suspicious of. Um, of attribution anyway aren't we but let's say you know oh marketing is we're attributing 66 percent of revenue against against our pipeline and we're spending x on marketing yep therefore if we spend x what x plus on marketing then presumably they can contribute this yeah and if and and the, then you could fall woefully behind but i also think this point here you've got about determining the data source is related to your previous point really about that cadence of updating because one of the things I've discovered with um, reporting is, is some sometimes there's like, is the juice worth the squeeze kind of thing? You know, the <laughs> level of effort that sometimes has to go into some of these things, particularly if you determine the data source and you think, well, this is quite an easy metric for me, but maybe your systems aren't set up properly or, you know, and it actually requires somebody to spend half a day on, an, on, a, on a spreadsheet getting this information to you yeah and you asking for that every week is going to they really don't have that kind of time so and and um uh, you know sales teams often get wrapped up in in having to do onerous reporting don't they to yeah. various oh, bits and bobs in there absolutely and, yeah, absolutely they've got the cfo coming to them they've got the head of marketing coming to them they've got the head of sales coming to them and it drives them nuts doesn't it so determining that data source. And I also think as part of that is what is the level of effort to actually get this data out? And and, and this is, you know, what's important in this particular exercise we're kind of going through vis-a-vis the last, our last discussion is you may have determined the metrics and it may be, you know, maybe you've got new analytics tools coming on, et cetera. It may Mm. be six months before you actually can get to that data that you signed up (laughs) to report on in the first place. Uh, So again, you know, Let's document yeah. it. Let's see where we are. Um, let's yeah. let's actually maybe we have some, uh, yeah. some data we can give in the interim before we can yeah. actually get to that more accurate set of data. Well, and the other thing about uh, metrics, it's one of those activities amongst the team that has to create collaboration, doesn't it? You have to be talking to various different bits of the business, finance, sales, and stuff in order to in order to build this, right? So it's a great way for you as a marketer to be wandering around the business, yep. asking questions and, and understand, particularly when you're talking about the providence and source of data, right? Is it, all right, so you've told me that five deals came from this particular event. Well, let's go a little bit downstream and find out what really happened there. Yep. Because attribution is such a beast. And it's funny, um, Robert Rose has got a great story about attribution where he talks about an organization that started marketing from scratch, from nothing and weren't doing anything and did all the things. And then, and then their sales went up hugely. Uh, but when they analyzed which one of the things was contributing, if everything had contributed the way that it, it reported, they'd have been, you know, the, the performance would have been even higher. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so you can't always... Everybody's like, claiming I, credit for that one. <laughs> yeah, so I, I really like what you were saying there about the fact that, you know, if you're showing that the marketing source is 10 million in pipeline because you're using a certain data source, but somebody else saying, oh, no, it's 15, then we all look silly, don't we? Because marketing needs to build that reputation for that. Absolutely. And that stuff, yeah. So you've, so they're the first four. So we create a storyboard, we've created a dashboard. There's me doing, it's me doing my wandering around the wrestling ring with a big sign again, <laughs> if anyone remembers last week. <laughs> Documenting the metrics. We've then determined the data source and gone hard into that. And I think you should look at the level of effort for each of those data sources. So what's your fifth? And here in round five, ding, 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> socialize your draft. So, mm-hmm. so build, uh, you know, a mock-up of the dashboard. Yeah. And again, you, using whatever tool you're, you're, you've got, you know, whether it's yeah. uh, again, PowerPoint or whether you're using a analytics tool and, um, you know, talk, talk to members of your, your audience, your executive audience and say, is this legible? Yeah. Is it scannable? Does it answer your questions? Does it tell you the story? 
um, and what you want to be yeah. getting the feedback is like, is this telling the story that I want to tell? Yeah. Um, you know, and where do we need to drill down to provide, you know, more, mm. more detail? Um, mm. again, that we want to do off, off this, the main page of the dashboard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I mean, this is just, this is good practice and whether you can build it in the ad- analytics tool or, you know, mock it mm. up visually. Um, this is again, what depends on, you know, the skills and time yeah. that you got on your staff. Uh, but I think yeah. this is a really important step in any kind of reporting uh, is to make sure that uh, before you go into the big meeting, uh, yeah. you've, you've assembled something that's going to work for the audience. Yeah. And I, I think that that BNC is really important in this is does it answer their questions? Because I've, I've seen situations where you create the report and you share the report and they go, actually, I know. <laughs> you know what i mean like it doesn't quite deliver what they wanted either it's too detailed or it doesn't quite you know, it's not detailed enough or anything like that right so i think that's really important or it helps them reframe their question where they're like oh i see what you did there no that's not really what i meant you don't need to do all that shit i just need this so, right so this is like showing the the ad or the piece of collateral yeah. uh and yeah, they go yeah. well that's <laughs> yeah. i know that's what i told you but yeah, that's not yeah. really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not really what I meant. Which is, yeah, which is the 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 world of marketing, isn't it? Really? It is. <laughs> All right, so uh, we get to our sixth. Uh, I won't say F in, but I can't. Can I? It's our sixth success step. Six <laughs> syncopated step. Um, yeah. Report, rinse, and repeat. So I got another mm-hmm. alliteration. Three R's in the in the yeah. six sixes. Um, so I'm obviously when once you've you've gone through the process process now you're mm-hmm. ready to actually deliver the report you're going to get feedback so as much as you've tried to you know do all of the the due diligence ahead of time and you know try to pre-flight it um mm-hmm. you know at some point you're going to be asked to make changes and the business is going to change so you mm-hmm. know it's like you know mid-year all of a sudden marketing's got a new goal to throw on the on the yeah. dashboard um so you know you got to be ready for for that and you go back to your dash your um storyboard and your requirements doc and you start moving things around uh and and see how you can change it and uh, show that you are an agile responsible uh, accountable <laughs> yeah. market which is i think some of the things we were talking about at the very yeah, beginning yeah. of the series you want to show marketing is accountable measurable yeah, yeah. uh and uh all that all that, yeah. And the other thing is, I think we, this is just our standard boilerplate for any advice we give, isn't it? Just be yeah. prepared to change. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's the only yeah. constant. Somebody <laughs> yeah. said. All right. So um, that's uh, so we've done the weather. We've done our um, we've done, we've given our marketing advice. Our third agenda item is uh, what song are we going for this week, Jeff? We're going to go to one. I think one of our favorites from back a few decades back. ago. Blondie from 1978, uh, and yeah. you know, I actually was unaware Blondie had. Well, the whole band had. Uh, I mean, had quite a career in the underground before they hit mm. stardom, uh, yeah. and then they continued for a while. But anyway, picture this, mm-hmm. in which Debbie Harry says, um, "All I want is 2020 vision, a total portrait with no omissions." <laughs> I think that sums it up in a nutshell. I love that, yeah, and um, Blondie. I love that. I love that we've got Blondie on, and I know. I know she's from the late seventies, early eighties, and it's from my childhood. But uh, yes, that is, that is, we'll, we'll a find a topic track. that we can match to call on me or <laughs> <laughs> tie desire or something like that. <laughs> you can't. You can't fail with a bit of Blondie. So yeah. I'm going to play out with uh, "Picture This" by Blondie from 1978. And Jeff, will you be in the marketing studio next week? I will. I'm look looking forward, forward to it. Mate. I'll see you then. See you then. Cheers. All I want is 2020 vision, a total portrait with no omissions. All I want is a vision of you. Oh, if you can picture this, I die in December. Picture this crazy cold weather. You got clouds on your lids and you feel the skiers. If it was for your child, I'd die Thank you, Jeff. That was a little snippet of Picture This by Blondie from 1979. And Jeff is publishing all of these tips on our blog at rockstarcmo.com.
Right, it's time to go backstage with my guest. Courtney Lindell is the Head of Practice for Web Analytics and Business Intelligence at Nimble Gravity. The team at Nimble Gravity loves solving hard problems and believe the right data can transform and propel growth for any organisation. They work with companies ranging in size from startups to those with billions in revenue across varied industries such as endangered species protection, healthcare, DTC clothing and many more. As you'll hear, Courtney's expertise is in helping those companies track the right KPIs for their business in order to uncover actionable insights and tell a story from the data with a strong strategic focus on the use of web analytics. It was fun hanging out with Courtney. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Courtney, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm great. So excited to be here, Ian. No, it's great to have you. Thank you very much. And where are we speaking to you from? I am based in Denver, Colorado. So kind of looking out my window at some melting snow and eager to get into the mountains this weekend. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And what I like there is you immediately answered my first question, which is always about the weather because I'm English and we're obsessed with it. So <laughs> you've got melting snow. So that's fantastic. So um, for folks, I mean, it's really been nice to get to know you a little bit, Courtney. For folks that haven't had that opportunity, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I am a marketing analyst, a web analyst. I have been working in the web analytics space for about 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And I love everything about the storytelling with data. So I get really enthusiastic about getting to work with different clients of all different sizes of businesses, different types of Mm -hmm. websites, and getting to understand how users are interacting with their sites, what they're doing, how we can track their data in a way that's interesting, actionable, and really Mm. helps those businesses understand what's going on on their website. Yeah, cool. Well, um, we'll dive into that in a bit because I'm going to ask you about Mm -hmm. some specific tools that we should be using and all that kind of stuff. But you're currently with Nimble Gravity. Tell us about your agency and what you guys do. Yeah, so Nimble Gravity is a data science, e-commerce, strategy, and global engineering consultancy But Mm -hmm. at the core, we're really focused on the power of data. So everything we do really comes down to tracking interesting data, utilizing data science to help companies understand things that they didn't think that they would be capable of understanding. And on my side, I am the partner leading the web analytics practice. So I'm Mm -hmm. always focused on that website side of how do we track data for clients that's unique to their business and mm-hmm. tells more than what you get out of just the basics, you know, your basic sessions and revenue? What else mm. can we capture? What else can we do to tell stories, understand what's going on? Um, Nimble Gravity is actually growing pretty rapidly. We have mm-hmm. employees in US, Mexico, Argentina, and now Colombia as well. So it's Ooh. been... Super cool to expand and meet people in a lot of different places too. So Yeah. No, and I love that. I mean, we as marketers have never had it so good in terms of data, right? But what we're sure of is is insight from that data. So I think it's interesting that you guys provide that guide for us to, you know, what's the important stuff here, which is what we'll get into a little bit in our conversation. So I know that... um, I, and, then, and then just back to you, um, I flipped the questions there from the notes that I sent you. So what, um, <laughs> and what I ask all of my guests is, is what, what actually inspired you to get into marketing, what, to choose this career? I mean, you've had a great career so far. I, I like where you are, but what, what inspired you in the beginning? Yeah, I, I love this question. Um, I was always super interested and have always been super interested in psychology and why mm-hmm. people do what they do. And why were these weird, irrational beings that do goofy things that we didn't expect that we would do? And when I went to college, I went to CU Boulder and I kind of started in general business. I'm like, I'll do something in business that'll be Mm. interesting, right? And then I, in my first marketing class, absolutely fell in love. And (laughs) we found it so fascinating. You know, you learn like the four P's and all the the basics. and. Yeah. Um, through my college career, I was like, where am I going to go? Okay. I want to do marketing. Cool. That's super broad. I don't know what that means. Like I interned for sports marketing at the soccer club here in Colorado and Mm -hmm. loved that. Thought I might go into sports marketing. And then 
my senior year, like last semester, I took this digital marketing class and it was really the first time that digital marketing had a class. It was just a small yeah. elective yeah. and it was very basic. It's like, what is paid search? What is affiliate <laughs> marketing? What's email? You know, all the super yeah. basics. Yeah. And there was a portion about web analytics where we got to touch on Google analytics. And it was back when mm. it was Google analytics classic before universal. And um. I just fell in love with the data side and how mm. I could connect all the other channels in mm. the web analytics and see not just an email or just SEO, just paid search, mm. but make that connection between what you're doing on SEO and what you're doing on paid search to get the whole search infrastructure mm. of how people are using it. Um, so from there, I actually had an awesome teacher for that class who knew everyone yeah. in Denver and so she connected me with the first boutique agency that I worked at where I got yeah. to go start my web analytics career. And it was and just so much fun from there. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. I love that. I love your passion for the, for this <laughs> uh, and the, yes. the, the idea of falling in love. And one of the things I think is interesting when we talk about marketing education on the show, that there's like different points of view on this in that a lot of marketers like myself are self-taught right you can see the books behind me I know everybody else can't because I'm not recording video but um I, I'm I'm a self-taught marketer a lot of the people I speak to are and there's there's different opinions about how good marketing education can be so it sounds like you had a pretty good go there didn't you but some of it was a little bit basic like you say I think it's hard sometimes isn't it for these these um the, these education facilities to stay up to date is that was was that your experience when you came out you had to like get your own skills or what would you say oh yeah it was super yeah, basic yeah. I mean it yeah. was very much just in everything with marketing uh all the classes I took were very much a here let me tell you the words you need to know so that yeah. you can go learn more about them elsewhere right like, here's right. the key terms that you should look out for when you're doing research to learn what you actually need to know. Right. Um, right. And that was it's, very much the case. And the digital side, too, was just like, here's what paid search is. Go yeah. figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so really, they were teaching you how to Google search. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So much of my career has been Google searching. And, and in the future, it'll be teaching um prompts for chat gpt <laughs> yeah. oh yeah yeah <laughs> so absolutely um, so i just i already asked you about nimble gravity but before that and i found this fascinating you were with arrow electronics and i'm a fan of content marketing so the way i know arrow electronics is through robert rose who's also on the show who for content marketing institute always talks about them in that they bought a series of media properties and they're an organization that's taken content marketing very seriously and what i was interested in is what was your experience when you were with Arrow from your data side? Did you see the impact of that? I mean, I mean, we talk about content marketing and you know in a in a kind of soft way, but it performs, doesn't it? And I, I wonder what you saw from that. Yeah, Arrow Electronics is so interesting with how many different aspects you have in the business. Like you have the mm. core business, which is you know, really working with the, the big, massive sales. And then I worked in the e-commerce business, mm -hmm. looking at arrow.com and then working more closely with the content marketing side. And it was really fascinating with the types of products they're selling with electronics components, how mm -hmm. long it would take for someone to actually go from discovering arrow online. Maybe they're a tinkerer and they just want to build some interesting tech product for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Or they're like a big organization and they're trying to build a car or something. Mm, and yeah, yeah. from all cases, there was this really long journey from when they found Arrow to when they would finally purchase or when they're starting mm. to build their bomb, their bill of materials to mm. when they actually hit the buy button. Yeah. And the content marketing space was so valuable to have that kind of immediate connection so people could go yeah. do their research yeah, because there's so many amazing companies out there that have the right parts that like do all the things you need them to do. Mm. But the companies that are making those parts don't always have the best capabilities of explaining why mm -hmm. you should pick that part versus another yeah. part or why you yeah. need that part. Yeah. And the content marketing organization was and all of those different media companies were so valuable in making yeah. that connection of, 
How do we get the right information to someone who needs to understand how to use this component or how to choose a component? Um, and we found a lot of times we would get from an e-commerce perspective, a lot of referrals back and forth. So people from like an EE times going to arrow.com after they've done some research, go click Mm -hmm. around, try to see if they can find the part they read about. And then vice versa, going back from arrow.com over back to EE times. Cause I'm like, well, wait, I missed that. Let's go back. over (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, And it was just a really cool to see how much content played into a journey that Mm. is so, you know, you're just thinking electronic components. They're just going to go click and yeah. buy the components they need to build a computer. But yeah. there's just They're so really... much more research. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And, and we all know, I mean, I, I'm in B2B, so I know that there's a huge amount of research that goes on before anybody comes and contacts you. And if you can provide that research, then they're in your they're in your goldfish bowl, right? And I, I recently wrote an article about the funnel isn't really a funnel. It's just a big bucket with a spout on the bottom, isn't it? And it, you want to keep as many people in that bucket as you can. Your content does that. So I was really interested. Thank you for sharing that, yeah. that arrow. Um, so, but we better get yeah. to your um, your primary reason, for, well, not reason for being here, but your primary skill and the things I want to ask you about. So we talk a lot about metrics on the show, right? Um, and... But from your client organize, your client experience, where do you think organizations should start? What are the simple things that, com- that companies need to do to improve around web analytics and reporting, your core skill? I mean, what's the first thing you generally find yourself talking to clients about? The most important thing is making sure your data is accurate mm-hmm. because you can't make decisions on crappy data. Like you just <laughs> yeah, don't true. want to be making the wrong decision because you're accidentally yeah. double counting everything on your site and thinking you're doing better than you are. Yeah. Um, or the opposite, not counting things that you should be getting credit for. Uh, yeah. So we always like to start at Nimble Gravity with an audit. But mm-hmm. even for anyone just looking in their data, it's asking those questions of does this data point make sense? So mm-hmm. if you're used to seeing 100 transactions in your POS data, you should be pretty close to 100 transactions in your web analytics data. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes with VPNs and private browsers, you don't see the 100% match, but you should be still pretty close to the point where, yes, okay, this makes sense. This is what I kind of expect to see here. Um, And a lot of times we find that businesses just don't even know to start with that. So I think that's Mm. really the basis to start with, okay, does this make sense? If it doesn't, having to go a little bit under the hood to understand where something's right. gone wrong. That's where, of course, nimble gravity can help. But essentially getting that tracking right is mm-hmm. going to be really key. And then if you're at a place where, okay, yes, my my data looks accurate. Yeah. Next, the thing is tracking data points that are really unique to your business that mm-hmm. will help you make the better decisions. So, of course, everyone's wants better conversion rate on e-commerce, um, but just tracking sessions and transactions isn't going to help you if if your conversion rate drops or it goes way yeah. up. You need yeah. to help understand why those things happened yeah, yeah. and all yeah. the metrics that get you to the why. So right. we have a client that's in pet insurance. Mm -hmm. So they are selling pet insurance for maybe you have multiple pets, maybe you have one pet, but -hmm. for them, a conversion rate, they need to understand, did people drop off because it was a pricing issue? Did they drop off because they didn't have enough information about what the insurance covered? Was it because they have a really old dog and now they're realizing maybe it's not worth the high cost (laughs) or... They have a puppy and they're like, I don't know what to do. I have a brand new puppy and I don't know if I need insurance. And all of that is those types of questions that would help answer the why of maybe why their conversion rate went up really high or decreased. So getting those, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, one thing I was going to ask about Nimble Gravity, is that the kind of customer you normally have? Is it B2C? Uh, Is that where you tend to work? We have everything. We have such an interesting (laughs) client base. So definitely both B2B and B2C. Mm -hmm. Um, We have clients that are your typical e-commerce like apparel or we have a pet food company. We've worked with, you know, those types of typical e-commerce. We've worked with SaaS companies where uh, it's more just trying to get lead gen 
Um, Then we've worked B2B companies. We've worked with other components, electronic components companies. And then uh, my favorite, most interesting client is actually (laughs) in death tech or like funeral home tech. And essentially it's a funeral home website builder. And that side, you're kind of both B2B and B2C where the technology is being sold to funeral homes. Mm -hmm. But then you're also helping with improving their obituary uh, components of the website so that you can get a better user experience for the people Mm -hmm. who are going to read the obituaries of their loved ones. So really interesting client base. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, So we were talking just now about um, where organizations should start. So it sounds like you need to do an audit. You need to correlate that you're measuring the right things and they actually fit the other things that are happening in the business. So you can see that if there's any wild discrepancies and stuff. When you were saying about an audit, what what do you mean by an audit? What do you tend to start off with when you're, when you're looking at, the, at somebody's website analytics? That is a great question. We usually will start with the tagging. Uh, so mm-hmm. if they're using Google Tag Manager, yeah. if they're on Google Analytics, or if they're on Adobe or something else, we'll look at whatever mm-hmm. their tag management system is. And we start with looking at those tags. Do those tags firing rules make sense? Um, You know, just checking from the very basics. Are they firing on page views? When do we expect them to fire on page views? Do we have duplicate tracking anywhere? And then we go through kind of all of our known best practices for their web analytics tool. Mm -hmm. Um, My mindset's always kind of with GA4 and yeah. making sure as as everything's changing rapidly with GA4, they're constantly yeah. releasing new things, that whatever the latest release is, is getting incorporated into their data. Um, yeah. And then if they're moving to GA4 from Universal, do we have those same components from Universal as the basis for GA4 so that we're getting clean right. data across? Well, you move straight on to a topic that <laughs> I know that I wanted to cover with you for sure, because... Um, I'm I'm completely guilty of this. I'm clinging on to to uh, UA for all I'm worth, right? <laughs> because I open up GA4 and I think this is very different. So, what oh, are you yeah. seeing with GA4? The, um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of discussion right now about GA4, and it's going to come whether we like it or not. Um, do you like it for a start? And do you think it's an improvement? I there's I have very much excitement about Mm GA4. I'm at the phase two where I'm doing a lot of migrations, but I haven't had the chance to get like my hands as dirty as I want to the way I'm used to in universal analytics. But I, the thing I love most about the GA4 platform is it's forcing people to be more mindful of how they report on their data. Mm -hmm. We definitely got lucky with universal that it had everything where you could go pull a custom report. And the, the good part of that is like anyone can go into any Google analytics and it all looks the same. The bad portion of that was that you ended up having to go pull the same type of report that took three filters and a segment. And you had to drill down in three places to get to Mm. the point data point that you needed every time you wanted to pull it. So it was really slow And you had to know what all of those little levers were to get to the Mm. data you cared about. And in GA4, there's a lot of opportunity for customization. So any of the dashboards have like their little, um, you know, dashboard icons, like their items within the dashboards that are all customizable. So you can make those dashboards what you want to see immediately when you go in instead of having to go like filter three times to go get to that information. And then the explorations are really great too, because those custom reports you used to create by filtering a bunch in UA now can just be things that you go Mm. click on under explorations. And I really like that from the perspective of if I'm asking the same questions about my business every day, I don't want to have to spend 20 minutes filtering down and waiting for the Google loading bar. Yeah. And just sit there waiting for my data to populate. I just want to yeah. go click on one thing and get to the data yeah. I like. Yeah. And I think a lot of us have been using UA by having um, Data Studio over the top to do those that kind of thing, right? So it sounds like it would cut out some of that if we can have a 
fairly high level dashboard that you can go to and, and so I, I like that I like that vote of confidence in GA4 that sounds good <laughs> I think we can all feel a bit more positive about that so yeah. I'm just I'm just uh, conscious of time now what um, I'm going to move on to our final question and um, we have a regular feature the Rockstar CMO soon pool where we throw all the bullshit snake on overhyped trends that plague this industry we love we throw into we throw where we yes no, that's great I've said that right so like our portal to hell to portal to marketing hell what would you chuck in there I would chuck tracking every single data point, even if I'm never going to use it. (laughs) Uh, I like that one. (laughs) That's one we see all the time where clients are like, well, I just want to track every possible thing. I want like hovers on everything and clicks on everything. And it gets to be such a mess. And, you know, it becomes like a a swimming pool of crap that people (laughs) have to sort through. And uh, that's why I think it's like the perfect thing to toss because it it doesn't help get to the pinpoint data because now you have more data junk to sort through to find those gems instead of just tracking the gems from the start. It's like where we started with that conversation about analytics, wasn't it? That we, we yeah. as marketers have all this data and we collect it like magpies, but yes. we have little insight. <laughs> and that's the reason, isn't it? Because we've got all this junk in our swimming pool. I like that. Yes, um, yes. And you brought swimming pool into it. Great. And so um, it's been great ch- chatting to you. I could have carried on talking about metrics for a lot longer. So I'm going to definitely have to have you back on the show, particularly to learn a bit more about GA4 because I definitely need the education. <laughs> but if people are looking for a bit of education on these things and they spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you and your agency? Yeah, so you can find us at nimblegravity.com. Mm-hmm. And then I'm on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Courtney Lindau. My last yes. name's L-I-N-D-A-U. I'm very yeah. easy to find. I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Splendid. And I'll include all your links in the show notes. It's been a pleasure to meet you and have you on the show. And, uh, and a really good topic. I love this topic. So we definitely have to have you back. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast, Ian. Thank you, Courtney. Quite a theme of measurement in this week's show. And I don't know if you've dug into GA4, but it was good to chat with an expert. And if you want to connect with Courtney, I will, of course, include all of her links in the show notes. Right. It's time to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the content advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. Thank you. It is a wonderful time to be here. We are in now in April. It's mm-hmm. all going to be spring. I, from what I understand, the sun has actually made its annual <laughs> appearance for London, so this is a good thing. Um, and I have a, yes. a, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful cocktail for us this evening, mm-hmm. and it's all to celebrate. Um, which we should all be celebrating, Finland entering into NATO, um, which I think is really fun. So I thought it would mm-hmm. be fun to do a Finnish drink, yes. um, a Finnish cocktail. And yes, they do have them. Um, and no, there are no fish in them. So that's just, um, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a good thing. Um, this is called the Finnish long drink that we have uh, mm-hmm. tonight. Um, and basically what we have here is it's a kind of a highball type of drink, um, and you can do this with a number of different kinds of ingredients, right? So you can do this. Do you remember the soft drink Fresca? Oh, so no, that might be an American thing. Fre- yeah, so, well, I guess it is an American thing. So Fresca yeah. is a very much of a sparkling sort of grapefruit tasting oh. uh, drink, mm-hmm. but you can use uh, red grapefruit juice for this as well. Basically. Mm-hmm any grapefruit juice you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've talked about many times, the least amount of sugar, the better. Yes. But basically you have this grapefruit juice, then mm-hmm. you have, and I, I'm suspecting you'll have this in your desktop <laughs> bar, um, uh, a couple of shots of gin, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll start with gin. Then yeah. we'll do uh, the a little bit of lemon juice, um, a little bit of club soda if you didn't use something like Fresco. So just to give mm-hmm. it a few bubbles. Um, and then uh, a little bit of a grapefruit for garnish. So it's like a grapefruit, gin, lemon. Wow. Th- it's very refreshing. And the reason mm-hmm. I picked it, one was, of course, for 
Finland um, joining yes. up with uh, with NATO and the rest of the wonderful world here, but also yes. because it is spring and here in Southern California anyway, it's spring has sprung, it's warm, <laughs> it's sunny, it's the, definitely yeah. the time to get outside and, and have yeah. something refreshing. Yeah, well, it's the long weekend here, so we've got Easter weekend, so it's a, a holiday today when we're recording it on Friday and... And we've got holiday Monday and the sun is shining. It's half six in the evening and the sun is still shining here. Where yes. I Amazing. And the, um, yes, but that sounds delicious. So I shall attempt to make it with only the ingredients my desktop. By the way, mm. uh, listening to your show, I understand that Joe has made a trip to London, doesn't he, this week? So he's, he's I believe he is there as we speak. Yeah, he's, or coming home today or something. Oh, like that. if yeah. he's coming home today, that's a shame. Cause he, I, I was thinking he picked the right, picked the right week. Anyway. That's obviously Joe Polizzi, who's on your show, This Whole Marketing. Um, yes. Did you put yeah. ice in that drink? Uh, yes, indeed. A typical highball, like sort of a tall, nice. thin glass with a lot of ice. It's nice. Think of it like a summer drink. Got it. And I am going to kick this off with, uh, ooh, <laughs> as you say, I'm going to go with some gin. And, yeah, that's uh, and good. Actually, well, well, you know, we actually picked something that you have. Actually so. have, yes, uh, obviously. So... Um, and you said a couple of uh, shots of that in there. As much as you possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well, sir. You know me too well. And, um, and obviously, um, the most um, English of uh, grapefruits uh, we both know is, uh, is the uh, cucumber. So I'm going to put ah. in some Fever Tree. Uh, why do I keep saying their brand name? They don't sponsor this show. The, they the should, though. They should. Cucumber tonic water. Most, but I love the sound of gin and grapefruit. I've never tried that before. I'm a gin and lime guy sometimes. Ah, yes. Well, the grapefruit is lovely. Yeah, I bet it is. I'm going to give this a try. Mmm. That is delicious, Robert. And it's very refreshing. And I could drink one of these every week. What are oh. we calling that? The, well, we call it the finished long drink. Although, from what I understand <laughs> from the history, uh -huh. um, there is an actual Finnish name called the Longcaro. Oh, okay. Um, I have no idea if the Finnish pronounce it that way. Um, mm -hmm. There's not a lot I can pronounce in Finnish, so just um, <laughs> yes, it's a very I mean, unique language, that is for it sure. Is. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yes, that is that is the the name of it. Yes, I'm very. I've been to Finland a number of times, and I'm very fortunate they speak. Oh, such I've good never English. been. I, I really want to go. Yeah, I was lucky a few years ago. I did like uh, I was working with a vendor, and we did. Um, I was uh, on a bit of a speaking tour with them, and we did all the Nordic countries. It was very nice, very nice. Yeah, very nice. All right. So when we've um, we're we're in this bar, and we've, we're having these lovely cocktails, um, and conversation inevitably be with us, Robert. Inevitably turns to turns to marketing. What are we talking about this week? We are going to talk about the most exciting thing on the planet, which is process. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about governance, said nobody uh -huh. ever. Um, but we are going to talk about this because it's a perfect topic for sitting uh -huh. in Finland and, and, and talking about it. <laughs> But here's the thing. Um, the number one word that I hear mm -hmm. when I talk to marketing practitioners over what is missing, right? What is missing from the organization's marketing and content operations? Yeah. And that one word is visibility. Right. Every and, and it seems to come up in almost every uh, every client that we work on. And basically, if you think about it for a second, right, if you think about, OK, how do ideas get turned into marketing messages or integrated into content assets? Basically, how do ideas come to life into mm -hmm. content? And for most businesses, the process is usually going to start with a small team or even maybe one person. Yeah. And then somebody sets a, you know, a sort of superset of overall themes or campaigns, or then those priorities sort of get inserted into the edges of the organization for campaigns that make their way out into mm -hmm. content, into all the different channels. And at least that's the way it's supposed to work. And spoiler alert, it doesn't. <laughs> it never works that way. Um, and one of the things that I think is interesting is that, so ideas are invisible until they become content, right? Mm -hmm. And and what I find is, is that businesses often fall into this content strategy trap where, and I've said this before, right? Where content is kind of everybody's job, but nobody's yeah, strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing is, is that we start to put in workflow. Mm -hmm. 
And so the problem with workflow and process is if you do it where it's very slow or very strict or very, you know, sort of, you know, step by step by step, well, then what happens is it really slows things down and it then encourages those people at the edges of the organization, like sales teams or regional offices or customer service reps or mm -hmm. PR comms, basically people that are really in charge of putting messaging in front of customers. Well, they'll seek a different solution because things just move too slowly, right? So they mm -hmm. end up routing around the institution and sort of creating their own content based on what they think the main messages should be. <laughs> yeah. And there's this push-pull battle that starts to ensue with basically all of the sort of higher-ups or senior leadership or brand marketing or whatever it is that's setting those messages and the sort of edges of the organization. The edges are trying to just, quote-unquote, get stuff done. But the content leaders see them as going rogue and not doing things, and it starts to be a fight. In contrast, however, if you're too lax about it and you sort of say, eh, let everybody sort of do their own thing, yeah. well, then everybody starts patching things together and you end up with sort of a patchwork quilt of messaging and stories and content that doesn't really work either. Mm -hmm. Basically, all practitioners in this case, up and down that line, that process line, have no visibility into mm -hmm. what's coming, right? If it's too slow, it's because, quite honestly, they, they can't see up the food chain far enough, the supply chain. Or if it's too fast, there is no visibility because it's too foggy because there's too much noise. There's too many things in the air. And so when we start talking about, okay, let's balance this with the right workflow and the right, right process, what we see is a resistance, a real resistance to this. And it's usually for one of three fears. And it's this thing we've been calling the fear of collaboration, which is there is the fear of control. Like I'm going to lose mm -hmm. control. Yeah. So for example, worked with a tech firm, product marketing and engineering team. They set the message, very draconian. Basically the team said, this is what we will talk about. And the content ideas made their way out to a content team, which meh, they sort of said, I don't like it. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't like what's getting done here. So mm -hmm. we'll engage our own agencies or analysts and we'll create our own stuff and sort of route it around that institution. Yeah. And so everybody was at odds with one another and nothing got done, right? Basically yeah. they, you know, they didn't want a more collaborative process. The people who initiated it because they wanted to control that message yeah, and yeah. they didn't get it either. Yeah. The second is that there's a fear of too much process, right? Where it's like, okay, we worked with one client, for example, and they were like, ah, there's so much, you know, we don't want more process. It's just going to slow things down. It feels too, you know, like it's uh, too collaborative and we just want <laughs> to streamline. And it's like, no, they basically in, ensured there with no process that, yes, yeah, some of the stuff they were doing was amazing and mm -hmm. some of it really was awful. Yeah. And basically, because some of it is really awful, very distinct parts of their buyer's journey was like really bad because yeah. those places that they're making it up on their own are just bad and not really feeding anybody into the good stuff. And then the last one is this sort of fear of failure, right? Which is mm -hmm. weird and but true where we're afraid that our colleagues are going to ruin our ideas or that we're going to ruin theirs. Yeah, And so you end up sort of in this weird way. They don't want to collaborate because this is my little gem of an idea. And I don't want to yeah. collaborate because somebody <laughs> might ruin it. Or I don't think mine's good enough to, yeah. you know, we'll just do it on our own so that we basically don't have to go get permission from anybody else. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. do justify this. Yeah. And so yeah. the answer to all this stuff is visibility, right? Mm -hmm. It is, you know, having, you know, we often use the analogy of, of, of air traffic control. You've got to set up a situation where everybody knows where all the planes in the mm -hmm. air are mm -hmm. and basically all the individual pieces of content before you can talk about who and where and what should control what mm -hmm. you've got to make sure everything is visible. And if nothing else happens, you'll definitely help the collaborative process by just knowing, you know, it can still be messy, but as long as we know it's messy, then it's okay. But what gives you, you know, sort of because every content strategist in the audience right now, their eyes are twitching, right? Yeah. In terms of what they're, you know, what they're looking at in yeah. terms of the, the ability to, you know, to create, you know, consistent things. But just starting even at visibility gives you the ability to start looking at, okay, now here are the planes that we want to control. Yeah. Now we can start balancing in where we do need stricter workflow. We do need stricter processes. We do need these kinds of things in place 
and where we don't, you know, where we can yeah, actually yeah. let everybody be them. Yeah, no, I, I, this is this is great because all those things you just said, and I, I think that you, I think, um, I think you might be referring to a company that I've worked with. No, um, I uh, all those things about um, that control of the idea, you know, losing control of the idea, and and or that somebody else will take credit for the idea, or that they'll, right. you know, or it will get watered down, or you know, I understand the audience, they don't, all that right, stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I was also reminded of uh, having, when I was working at McCann, uh, there, there was a, there's actually somebody who had the role of traffic manager is what they called themselves, right? And I think you've, on this show, you've talked about having a showrunner, haven't you? That we need somebody who manages the story and how it's going to get put together and all that kind of good stuff. That's right. Yeah, we yeah. usually call those people the arbiter of good. Um, <laughs> yeah who can you know someone who can say this is good right this yeah. is you know this is and 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 good does not necessarily mean approve right it mm-hmm. just it, it you know because a lot of times we get into this well it shouldn't be one person sort of setting everything well yeah. there's an argument to be made for that it should but yeah. even if it's not it's not somebody who's necessarily approving something it's someone who's who's establishing that this is meets the standard. This meets the yeah. company or the brand standard for what good looks like. Yeah. Now we can debate whether it's appropriate or the timing or et cetera. Mm. But we're, what we're not doing is debating whether it's good content or not. Mm. Mm. I actually think it's quite good that somebody is going to have that thought within an organization because too many times nowadays you're seeing, and this is where, um, you know, <laughs> AI generated content will get rid of this is people just want to push stuff out right it doesn't really matter you know if, if there is somebody in an organization that cares about the quality then great right right uh, that's exactly yeah, right yeah, yeah yeah at least they're having that conversation so that must be rewarding so what, what do you do when you're how, how did you resolve it when you're working with that client where you where you had like the product team saying this is the way this is the way we need to talk about the product you must go do that you marketers are just the you know, the cre- the creative crayons department, you go write the things we've told you to do. And in the meantime, they went off to the agency and did their own thing. How did you reconcile that? Well, it's, a, it, you know, the funny thing is, is to point out the irony, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you put on your best, you know, I know he's not the most beloved character in the world, but you sort of put on your Dr. Phil hat, right? And you go, yeah. you know, how's that working out for you? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah, how's yeah. all that, you know, iron <laughs> fist control working out for you? Um, because it's not usually, and it yeah. wasn't here for sure. And it's to yeah. say, listen, you don't necessarily, providing visibility doesn't necessarily mean giving up control. We think mm-hmm. you should, because mm-hmm. we think that there is a valid uh, point of view that the edges of the organization, whether it's, again, PR and comms or the regional yeah. offices or your field marketing team or whoever it is, it's actually talking with customers. Yeah, There's a valid point of view there that you should be bringing back. Um, and including into your ideas that are going to turn into content. But having mm-hmm. said that, at least giving them, you know, visibility through a content calendar or through a some sort of visible mm-hmm. calendar or collaborative tool of some kind yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you have to give up control. You What you're doing is, is like you're just not keeping it secret from them, yes. right? Because that's yeah, what you're yeah. ostensibly doing by keeping such a tight lid on it until yeah. it's fully baked and halfway through and the agencies yeah. are done and you've seen the assets and you've seen them all and they're ready to go yeah. into the field. You've ostensibly yeah. just kept it a secret from everybody until yeah. quote unquote, you want it into the field. And then by showing it to them at that point, you're yeah. basically saying this is the way it is or not. And yeah, that we've already sort of ultimatum isn't good. Yeah. We've invested all this time and effort. And plus at that point, you are so wedded to that idea and exactly. you love it so much that it's your child, isn't it? And that's, the thing. that's right. All right. So um, I need to think how to segue into this. So if somebody's looking for your content children, where might they find those? Well, <laughs> well they'll find it at our little website, which is contentadvisory.net. I love it. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? Well, I'm back on Twitter. Um, wow. Cool. Although this may be short-lived because, <laughs> man, has that place become sort of just <laughs> awful. I was literally scrolling through my Twitter feed, the uh-huh. you know, the For You feed. Yep. And I counted of the first 20 posts, the first 20 tweets, yeah. five of them were ads. Yeah. Seven of them were uh, from people I don't follow, but are, yep. you know, either yep. MAGA 
sort of, you know, freedom yeah. fighters yeah. Um, or hard left reactionaries, sort of yeah. the total political post. Yeah. And five of them were actually from people I yeah. followed. Oh, that 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 for you thing. I think they do that on purpose in order to try and get well, a reaction. Of course they do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. It's, it's, it's developed on purpose, you, right? Yeah. But yeah. where I used to never see an ad on Twitter, I must you know, it was so yeah, rare yeah. that I would see an ad on Twitter. And you, yeah. usually, if I did a a search or searched on a mm. hashtag or something, that I would yeah. see an ad or promoted yeah. post. But now it's, it's like it's just yeah. chock a block full of ads, and the ads are completely irrelevant to anything I'm interested in. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll find you on LinkedIn then. And, yes, but and more importantly, yes, where we have um, we, we have uh, none of that going on here, none of that um, MAGA stuff or anything like that. Here in the bar, will I see you in the bar? Uh, you will indeed see me. I look forward to it. i see you. Thank you, Robert. We mentioned the podcast he does with Joe Polizzi there. It's called This Old Marketing, and this week's episode is particularly good. I recommend you give that a listen. So that's a wrap on episode 161 of the Rockstar CMO Fing Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Jeff, Courtney and Robert for sharing their insight and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. Please let us know what you think. You can contact us through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Catch us on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO or leave a rating or review in your favorite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff will be back in the studio, Robert will be in the bar, and I will be going backstage with independent CRM consultant Adiola Sole. Until then, have a great week, and I hope you're going to join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.